So Nana was spending more time in the house. You know, pandemics out, the weather's getting worse, so we're spending more and more time in the house. So that means I'm I'm, getting, I'm able to watch more of these um sports talk debate ish type shows on the various channels. I love Shannon and, and Skip. I love Undisputed. Um, I'm not really a big fan of them. But I watch Colin Cowherd. Uh, what's the other one? Speak for Yourself with Marcellus Wiley. And, you know, still, I check out all the stuff on ESPN. So this last week, there's been a, a real topic that everybody's been going on. Really, they've been going on about him all the season, but especially this last week. And they've been talking about Lamar Jackson. All right. And I guess he came out uh, in a press conference or something, and he said something to the effect that the defenses are calling out our plays before they run them. And, you know, people kind of getting on Lamar. That's the NFL. That's that's what that's what they do. If you've been around long enough, they watch film, blah, 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 blah. And even before this conversation, there had been talk about, you know, Lamar. It hasn't been as as exciting and as um, taking the league by storm like he did last season. And they're like, well, you know, guys are starting to figure this out. And so what it now does is it goes back to that old narrative that a mobile quarterback has to learn to throw from the pocket and I don't consider him a quarterback if he can't do this and this from the pocket and he's got to elevate his game and all of this talk right and and it got me to looking at something and I hope this um, podcast somehow makes it to Lamar Jackson's ease I know a couple of people I'm going to send it to them specifically I'm going to send them the link because I hope they can get it to him and Lamar Jackson is having is now experiencing the same problem that Russell Wilson is experiencing. I think Russell started experiencing it two years before. Lamar Jackson is going through the exact same thing that Deshaun Watson is going through, um, because of Bill O'Brien, and it's I, I call it the Michael Vick experience. I know they had the other Michael Vick experience, but this is the real Michael Vick experience. And what I mean when I say the Michael Vick experience, it's Lamar is now a victim of his athleticism. He's a victim of his athleticism, just as Michael Vick was a victim of his athleticism. So that's what we're going to talk about. And Lamar, if you hear this, if Lamar's agent hears this, I'm not sure who's the GM in Baltimore right now. If you hear this, please listen to my words. I'm going to use Michael Vick. And from a larger part, Randall Cunningham, Cordell. So I'm going to use all of the mobile quarterbacks that we know of as a cautionary tale about what you're doing to Lamar Jackson. I'm going to use it as a cautionary tale. So bear with me. Bear with me. So let me get out how I'm I'm an expert on how Michael Vick plays. I don't somebody like, oh, how are you an expert on mobile quarterbacks? And listen, I, I where I'm from the seven five seven, everybody plays quarterback like uh Michael Vick did. Everybody plays like how Lamar Jackson played. I legitimately cannot remember in four years of varsity what three years of varsity football, one year of J V football, I cannot remember one quarterback who played like Peyton Manning when I was in high school. I, I don't. I don't. Um even watching it, I can't remember well, I think maybe Great Bridge had a guy, and it was a guy who who the hell knows he. Arnie Powell played at Deep Creek. Um, Whitley played quarterback uh, at uh, at Norview. 
I didn't play against him, but I saw Allen Iverson play. I played against Ronald Curry. I played against Michael Vick. I can literally go down the list of guys. I can't remember who was the quarterback at Green Run that Plaxico had as a um, – that was Plaxico's quarterback, but he played like that. I distinctly remember. Again, when he played uh, Western Branch, one of the Walton brothers, I think it was Darren, they're twins. There were, two, there were these two twins that played at Western Branch. One was a quarterback, one was a receiver. I think it was Darren Walton. My point is, all the way down the line, out of in four years of playing football, and then like two games, <laughs> well, not even two games, like a, a scrimmage at Elizabeth City, every quarterback that I've known of plays how Michael Vick played. So I'm, I, I think I am a an expert on the mobile quarterback genre. And there's one thing that I've noticed. First of all, before we even get into this part. Let me throw this out here to college coaches. You know what? We're going to come back to the Lamar Jackson thing. Let, matter of fact, on the fly, and I know people hate what I do, is I'm going to change this from a warning to Lamar uh, Jackson to a warning for all mobile quarterbacks. Now, here's the thing. We all know what the history of the term dual threat mobile athletic quarterback. We know what it's rooted in. We'll save that for another discussion but we all know where it comes from, okay? The theory is you put your best athlete at quarterback and generally the best athlete on your team is a black. It's a lot to it. It's a, it's a lot to it. And in high school, you can get away with this a lot. In college, you can kind of get away with it, but you can't get away with this in the pros. But see, the problem that these type of quarterbacks run into is for the most part, by the time they get to the NFL, they're quarterback coaches, these quarterback gurus that they're going to work out with in the offseason – they could never play football like this. Let me let me give you a little bit of a, a, a explanation on the difference between a Michael Vick playing quarterback and Peyton Manning playing quarterback that a lot of people don't understand. Okay, being a being a publicist, being a sports and entertainment publicist, is it afforded me certain opportunities that I could never financially afford on my own. One of those opportunities, we were in LA, and they had this driving experience where. You could drive. They had like the Ferrari. At that time, I want to say it wasn't the La Ferrari. That one just came out. I can't remember what supercar Ferrari, but they had the F12. They had the F99. And they had, I think it might have been an Enzo. It was an Enzo. They had a Lamborghini Murcielago. They had a Pagani Vibra. Um, they had all of these hyper cars, right? And we had cars like the Pagani Vibra goes zero. You can go from zero to 240 miles an hour. I don't know how long it's here, but you can go over 200 miles an hour. It's street legal. So they had us on uh, this emergency field that they use for like space shuttles and C-17 emergency landings right in the desert, right? It's right outside of L.A. in the desert. The the, the runway is something like four miles long. It's, it's like I said, it's an emergency landing strip for... Um, those super super big um, cargo planes and the space shuttle. So we're out here, and they they they're letting you drive. Now I've I've driven a lot of nice cars before. I've driven the the F thirty. Um, uh, I've driven all of those. Matter of fact, one of my clients, Larry Johnson, used to trust me with his Bentley GT. I don't know why he did, but he did. So I, listen, I've hit a hundred miles an hour before. I've hit a hundred and twenty. 
I have never before hit 200 miles an hour. And it's a completely different experience. So I'm in the Wyra. Let me tell you, I'm in the Wyra. They won't let you drive that fast because you got to be experienced to drive this fast. And I was a little upset. Like, dog, it's driving. I've hit 100 miles an hour. And the instructor that they have there is like, no, no, no. This is completely different. So I'm, I'm like, all right, man, whatever. So I get in on the passenger seat. I buckle up the seatbelt. And even in the passenger seat, I'm here to tell you that driving at driving at 100 miles an hour is completely different than 200 miles an hour. Like at 200 miles an hour, the road closes up. You can't really make out anything too far in front of you. I think you got a couple of inches of cognitive visibility in front of you where you can recognize what's going on. But even if you're looking at landmarks, you're on that landmark before you blink. It is completely different. Quarterback is kind of the same. When they used to call plays for Randall Cunningham, Michael Vick, those type of guys, like let's say they called a bootleg. Those mobile quarterbacks are going to be on the spot faster than a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning or one of those guys. They're on the spot faster. So that means that the routes that have been called the routes that have been called for them oftentimes don't work and you see these guys with lower passing completion percentages because the offensive coordinators aren't understanding they're calling these plays with these double moves and long developing um route combinations because they're anticipating their quarterback is a five guy or four nine forty guy instead of a four three nine forty guy you understand what i'm saying like it, it, again, it messes up the overall time. Not messes it up in a bad way, but you have to call different plays when you have a quarterback that's athletic like this. You have to call a completely different set of plays. You can't all the time rely on the play sheet that you would call for Tom Brady. So what happens with a lot of these guys is they have never had an offensive coordinator before that understands this. There's a reason why Lamar Jackson had the success he had last year, and that's because he had Greg Roman as his offensive coordinator, who was uh, Colin Kaepernick's offensive coordinator in San Francisco. That's the only reason it worked. There's a reason why Russell Wilson worked, because he had Daryl Bevel as an offensive coordinator. If you remember back, Daryl Bevel had Tavares Jackson in Minnesota. So he's used to calling these kinds of plays when you take one of these guys and you put them out there on the field and their offense coordinated offense staff have never worked with a guy like this before, they call the wrong plays and the wrong energy. And oftentimes it makes that quarterback look bad. It makes him look bad. But now the other problem that you run into is what I call the reverse Michael Vick experience. Because the Lamar Jacksons are so athletic, because they can extend plays and because they're such a threat with their legs, a lot of times you have a tendency by these offensive coordinators to call risky plays or low percentage plays that they would never, ever, ever call for. I don't know. Um, like I said, I, I hate to keep going Tom Brady, but it's just the name that pops up. They would never call this play for anybody else. You feel what I'm saying? They would never call this type of play for Matt Castle or Jeff Rosen. They, they wouldn't. They would never call this type of play for an Eli Manning type 
or even a, a, a Ben Roethlisberger. They would never call this play tight. But because Lamar Jackson runs a 4-3 whatever, the offense coordinator, they, they kind of get in, I call it like a saves me rhythm. It's almost like a damsel in distress rhythm. It's like, okay, I can take certain chances on first and second down. And then on third down, I can just count on Lamar or I can count on Deshaun or I can count on Russell's athletic ability to bail us out from my dumbass call on first and second down. That's what happened with Mike Vick a lot. He won't admit it because he's he still wants to get into these NFL meeting rooms and talk to people and have a good relationship. But I, I again, I am an expert on mobile quarterbacks and specifically Michael Vick. I have seen Michael Vick play football since he was in ninth grade and I was in 10th grade. I went to Norcom. He was at, at first, I think it was at Ferguson. And then when it, it, he, it was, they closed Ferguson and everybody started going to Warwick. That's how far back it goes. Coach Reeman, Tommy Reeman was uh, the coach, or like the man on that side of the water. Coach Langston was the man on this side of the water. They had a, uh, a great mutual uh, admiration and respect for each other. So every, um, every year we scrimmaged, like I said, first Ferguson and then later on Warwick when Coach Reeman took over being the coach at uh, Warwick High School. So I've seen, I saw Aaron Brooks in high school. I saw Michael Vick in high school. Even when I went away to college, when I first went to Elizabeth City State, um, there was a guy, uh, Billy, Billy White. I can't think what, what his real name was. We called him Billy White Shoes Johnson. You know, after Duke paid for the Cowboys. For some odd reason, he was from he was from Newport News and Bertie, North Carolina. He was like, yo, man, when my man Mike Vick get in at Tech, when my man Mike Vick get in. And so like I said, he was hyping up Mike. I knew who Mike was, but a lot of like I said, the guys who went to Elizabeth City who were from Carolina, they had no idea who Mike Vick was until that Sugar Bowl game. But I have seen Mike from the high school, college to the NFL ranks. All right. I've seen Aaron Brooks from high school to college to the NFL ranks. I've seen Taj Boyd. Now Taj is way younger than me, but watching Football, I've seen him, same story. Even though Taj didn't make it, you know, have have a long NFL career. But I'm just naming names of guys who you might remember. I've seen Tyrod Taylor from high school to college to the professional ranks. There's a certain thing that every quarterback who plays like this needs to have in the arsenal. And it's a thing, once I tell you what these guys need, you might get a little upset because you'll be like, well, every quarterback needs them. Yeah, true. But, so, one of the, the things that you need to have, they've got it, you need somebody to take the top off the defense. You need a deep threat. Because, for the most part, like I said, these uh, what we call mobile quarterbacks are normally better with the deep ball than they are with the shallow, the intermediate ball. They're most of, If you look at them, most of them have overly athletic arms and have cannons, and they're better with the deep ball. So you need somebody who can legitimately stretch the defense. Mike never really had that in Atlanta. They never gave him somebody that's a bomb burner like uh, he had with Deshaun Jackson when he got to Philly or like Hollywood Brown is with um, in Baltimore. He never really had a guy like that. The other thing he needs is a big receiver. Doesn't have to be the fastest guy. He just needs to be able to outjump everybody. And I'm going to tell you why. Because at least twice a game, 
one of these guys is going to be on a scramble and they're going to launch it. And it's just going to be a launch. And you need a guy that can climb the ladder to go and get that ball and bail them out. All right. If you have, you need those two things to compliment him and you need a running back. You need a running back. Of course, the offensive line is important. Cool. But when I look at what happens with these guys, a lot of times when they get to the pros, they don't have that. They get one or the other. Like when Mike was in Philly, he had Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin. They're essentially the same guy. D-Jack is what? Five, ten and a half. D-Jack is like my size. Um, Jeremy Macklin is like six feet. They list him at six feet. Barely. They never gave Mike a six five guy. Like he doesn't necessarily need Mike Evans. You know, Mike Evans what six five runs at least a four six. Of course that would work, but no, it doesn't matter what dude runs a four three or four seven. All you need is a guy. And see this particular receiver, he's only going to run five less than five routes. He's going to really run two to three routes. This type of receiver, he's going to run the uh, back shoulder he's going to run the fade route down by the end zone for the back shoulder fade or he's going to run a five and in what he needs to do he needs to just find the sticks sit down there and wait for the ball that's it forget double moves forget any of that other stuff that a receiver might need to do you only run two routes for the speed guy you mix in some other routes but again you take advantage of that speed if you can give one of these quote, those two things, they're going to dominate. Because you're right, Lamar, Russell, whoever, they're going to put pressure on the defense because of their legs. Like right now, if you look at Lamar Jackson, he only has one of those two things. He has a couple of really, really good tight ends, but they're tight ends. You know, he's only really got the, the Hollywood Brown. And I'm not, this is no diss to the other receivers, but all of his receivers seem to kind of be the same. All right. It seemed to kind of be the same. And it feels like right now they count on Lamar to bail them out more than they put Lamar in a better situation to win. I don't, I'm not saying I'm not blaming Coach Roman. I'm not blaming um, Coach Harbaugh. It's just what happens. It's like growing up. If you know that most of your life, if your parents are there to bail you out, you'll do something crazier than the person who knows that they don't have anybody to have their back you you just take that risk because you know somebody's there to save your ass that's what happens a lot of times with these offensive coordinators they they know that okay all right it's third and seven and I, I screwed up on first and second down it's third and seven mike go save my ass mike go do the mike vick thing and they're starting to do that with lamar jackson okay it's, it's third and long Lamar, go do the Lamar Jackson thing. And it's like, what? What? So this is my this is my thing to Lamar. Like, listen, Lamar Jackson, you have to take your career in your own hands. In the upcoming draft, the one that's coming up, you have to demand or and see the trade deadline is passed. But this coming off season, you have to walk into those coaches' offices and demand demand they go get you a big receiver 
Like I said, he doesn't have to be the fastest. He doesn't have to be a first-round pick. He could be a fifth or sixth-round pick. You just need a guy that's around 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and his only responsibility is to be able to out-jump everybody. If you can't find that in a receiver, listen, go watch college basketball. Go watch for the kid that's a senior that has no chance to go into the NBA, but he's 6'6". Six, six. I'm like, hey, man, you, you want a job? <laughs> you, you want a job? That's He has to have that. Because like I said, too often than not, these coaches, because they didn't play the position themselves at that speed, they don't all the time understand what's happening. Like I said, you're on that spot faster. So when they think that, okay, well, you got these two speed receivers, that's going to work. No, 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 no. You need somebody to save this mobile quarterback's ass every once in a while. But again, because a lot of these coaches, a lot of these guys who run these camps have never been that quarterback for themselves, it's difficult to know. And again, I can tell you all day what it's like until you actually experience it or go through it, you you don't necessarily understand. It's like if there's a woman, listen, you can tell a woman all day long how it feels to have a baby. You can describe it in vivid detail until she goes through childbirth doesn't always make the most sense but that's what Lamar needs listen as an expert on the mobile athletic quarterback you have to demand I need two things now, if you can get those things in one like if you can get a Julio Jones you're all the better for it. if you can get a Calvin Johnson okay great but those guys are a dime a dozen they're diamonds in the rough they don't come along often so for the most part you have to say, listen, I need this in two different people. Like, I know Lamar was um, campaigning for Antonio Brown's offseason. You don't need Antonio Brown. You got Hollywood Brown. Antonio Brown ain't what you need. Now, I think, like I said, I think, didn't they just pick up Dez Bryant? Didn't they pick up Dez? You know, I, I know Dez. We cool. Hung out. You know, him and his man King. We, we good. I love Dez. I don't know if Dez is what Lamar Jackson needs, though. I definitely, I'm glad that Dez is back in the NFL. That that makes me happy. But I don't know if Dez is what Lamar Jackson needs. You know you know what kind of guy Lamar Jackson needs? What's the kid from P- Pittsburgh? Claypool? He needs a one of those. He needs a one of those. That, that's what he is. He, he needs a one of those. Dez, again, Dez is great. I, I have to see Dez out on the field, but I've never known for Dez to be able to moss people. Dez was never the back shoulder fade kind of guy. Maybe he's developed that and added it to his uh to his toolbox. If he has, man, watch out for Baltimore. If Dez has anything, you know, really left in the tank and has added a couple of pieces, watch out for Baltimore. I'm telling you. Because Baltimore has look for a guy like Lamar, Baltimore is the perfect situation because they have everything else he needs. Every once in a while, as a mobile quarterback, you're going to take a couple of hits. You're going to fumble. It's it's going to happen. It, it's it's the gift and the curse is what you get. Every once in a while, the drive is going to get stopped up. Every so often. Because all they're going to do on this read option, they're going to tell, look, just tackle everybody. <laughs> just tackle everybody. Fuck, fuck it. Tackle the center if you have to. So that's what they're, you know, they're going to tell them sometimes. So, Having the defense that they have in Baltimore is great. They've got a defense. They've got a, a, a pretty good offensive line. I know they've suffered some injuries here lately. 
But overall, Lamar needs that big receiver. I, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I might be demanding. I, I if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm I'm gonna see what they what they draft, what they go after in free agency, and depending on what happens, man, I demand a trade. Deshaun had it. He had what he needed with uh with Newt Hopkins. And then Bill O'Brien, being the idiot that he is, screwed that up. Um, Looking at, like, Russell Wilson, D.K. Metcalf is a beast. He's a beast. He still need a little more help, though. And it was crazy enough to say Seattle, the defense really needs to be able to help. But as a mobile quarterback, those are the things that you need. I know somebody's probably asking right now about Cam Newton. <sighs> I think New England might have been the worst place for Cam Newton to go to. I think it because I think too much they're looking at him to do his Superman thing. That's you know what that's really been a part of Cam's problem this whole time. Outside of Steve Smith, I can't name you one receiver that Cam Newton played with that was worth a damn. They had to do Kelvin Benjamin, who like the only thing he caught was the early bird special at the buffet. Now, he had Greg Olson, which is a tight end, but there's only really so much you can do to the tight end. Cam is the perfect example on them wasting uh, 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 athletic quarterbacks' gifts and just counting on his athleticism to win. You still, Cam took that Carolina Panthers team with his athleticism to a Super Bowl, but they couldn't prevail because he didn't have just that one or two extra you know, piece around him. We saw it in San Francisco. We saw in San Francisco, um, Colin Kaepernick, same thing, got to the Super Bowl, just didn't have that other piece around him. As a mobile quarterback expert, I'm telling you how this has to go. If you are a team with a mobile quarterback, you got to get them one or two. You got to give them two things or it's never going to work. Never. Uh, uh, Lamar Jackson isn't going to be able to do what Tom Brady was doing in New England with those guys. It's just not the way he plays football. He's not, uh, again, because the routes that they're calling for Tom Brady when he was in New England are completely different than what Lamar Jackson would need to thrive. Got to figure this out. You got to figure it out quickly. You know, I saw saw, uh, Bart Scott was talking. He said some real stuff. At first, I was like, "Damn, this dude Bart hating." But it was real. He was like, "All the the can't all the thing with Lamar Jackson is is a, a wildcat offense with a quarterback who with a guy who could throw." And at first, I was a little upset, but it's kind of true. It's kind of true. Now that doesn't mean that it is not the most devastating offense that you will ever see because it essentially adds another person into the equation who can threaten the defense. When Tom Brady's there, if you can hit and sack Tom Brady, you have taken him out of the play. Lamar Jackson is completely different. He is always at play as long as the ball is live on the offensive side. So get him everything he needs. And again, that's simple. Don't go out in the draft and draft another version of Hollywood Brown. He doesn't need two speed receivers. Okay, he doesn't need another tight end. All he needs is a big and not don't get a six six dude who's a tight end. No, you need a receiver 
whose specialty uh, is mossing people and the back shoulder fake. That that's what you need. If Baltimore gets that next season, they'll be better than Kansas City. Mark my words. Let's take a break and let's come back and get on to something that I kind of started on, but I got back into this and I want to talk about what the problem is with um, the mobile quarterback and how it is discussed and put together in football. Let's take a break and come right back. 